Well, today I want to start out a little bit differently. Could you just take a deep breath? How about another one? I want you to relax for a little bit. You made it. You got here. I think the Lord has something for us this morning, and uh, so thanks for coming. Take another breath. Relax. My spiritual gift uh, in service to this church is in the area of leadership and shepherding. I'm, I am able to teach, but that's not my gift. But today you need me to be a teacher, and I will trust the Lord to do that. But I also want to temper your expectations that I'm not going to wow you with some great revelation from Scripture, okay? Give me a break. I'm a shepherd. <laughs> so let's just be sheep together. And let's try to catch a glimpse of our good shepherd. And then once we get a glimpse of him, fix our eyes upon him. For he is our good shepherd. Let's pretend that after moving uh, through the, across the landscape of your week, uh, he has brought you here to a green, lush hillside. He wants to give you some water to drink. He wants to restore us. Uh, he knows it's been a hard week. He knows that maybe there's been conflict this week, that maybe things have been said or done that weren't so pretty. He knows that your heart and your mind might be wrestling with disappointment or hurt or loss. I don't know what's dominated your thoughts this week, but the Good Shepherd does. He sees you. He hears you. So let's for a little bit of time surrender our anxiousness, our busyness, our harriedness, our desire for control, are those things that tend to drive us in the course of our week. And let's just rest. Take a deep breath while I pray. Jesus, our good shepherd, the flock of the people of grace are seated before you. Would you teach us today to live in your presence? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill us, Spirit, speak to our spirit. Teach us today of how to walk with you. And God's sheep said, amen. Our ba would be fine. <laughs> I'm a sheep. I'm in the flock of a good shepherd. Certainly I'm an old sheep, if nothing else. I've been at this for a long time. I've asked the Good Shepherd to let me speak to you today on a, about following as a sheep as we seek to follow the Good Shepherd. Since the end of May, uh, we have been talking to you about the role of the Holy Spirit in, in the life of a believer. Um, for the last five weeks, we've been talking particularly about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. And the fruit is, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is, is the result of God's Spirit forming in us the character of God and then expressing that character out from us. We've been describing the biblical characteristics of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness thus far. Today, I'll talk about goodness. Well, since we're at the halfway mark of the fruit of the Spirit, I wanted to clarify something for you and make it very, very clear. We do not want you to seek the fruit of the Spirit. We don't want you to seek the fruit of the Spirit. We're not telling you to work it up through self-effort to be more loving or to be more joyful or to be peaceful or more patient or tips of being kind to others. Don't seek the fruit by trying harder. That's simply self-effort. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of something else that we do. And we want you to do that, not seek the fruit. We want you to walk in the Spirit. If you, could achieve, if you and I could achieve the fruit of the Spirit through self-effort, without the help of the Holy Spirit, it would be called the fruit of us, not the fruit of the Spirit. So before I talk to, about goodness today, I thought it'd be helpful for us to get, put the fruit of the Spirit back in the overall context of Galatians chapter 5. Now before we look at the overall passage, let me remind you what's the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. When I trusted Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit is the one that came and took up residence in me. He testified to my spirit from that point on that I'm a child of God. It's the Holy Spirit um, that helps me to understand and apply Scripture in my life. It's the Holy Spirit that gives me a spiritual gift or gifts so that I can use to build up Jesus' church. When I'm daily dependent upon the Holy Spirit, he produces in me the character of God. Those characteristics are called the fruit of the Spirit. I don't have to seek the fruit, I have to live by the power. The Holy Spirit gives me the power to live the Christian life. When I'm dependent upon him, he's given me an alternative to living my life through self-effort. That's the alternative. But he gives me another alternative, and that's to walk with him. Back after Easter, Matt preached through the, the Upper Room Discourse. In that uh, series, Matt described Jesus talking about the impact of us abiding in Christ, right? And so Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. It, when the branches maintain a right connection with the vine, it produces fruit. So the more it abides, the more fruit that it produces. Do you remember that? In Galatians 5, Paul 
is using a different metaphor, but he's describing the same relationship that produces fruit in the life of a believer. Jesus says, stay connected to him in relationship and fruit will come. Paul is saying, stay connected to the Holy Spirit and fruit will come. You and I have one job, to stay connected. And in this case, in in Galatians 5, Paul's describing that as walking in the Spirit. Now, let's look back at Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, and again, look for this metaphor Paul's using of walking in the Spirit and staying connected to the Spirit. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit contrary to, uh, to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And if you are led by the spirit, you, you are not under the law. The deeds of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and if that's not clear enough, it's things like that, right? Uh, I warned you, as I did before, that those that live this like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and, and desires. Since you live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. So Paul here is saying that we're to, be, we're to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. We can't walk with Him or be led by Him or live with Him or be in step with Him if we're not oriented in the same direction as the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is about orientation, not about effort. It's about how you're oriented in your life. When I go for a walk with Diana, we start off in the same direction. If I choose to turn and go into a different direction, we're both still walking, but we're not walking together. When my dog was a puppy, I had to train him of how to walk with me because he wanted to follow all the different smells in every different direction. I worked with him to help him learn that us walking together was a lot easier and more fun than resisting me and going in other directions that he would choose. We covered more ground. We had a fuller experience when we were orienting ourselves in the same direction. So I want to illustrate to you this whole idea of walking in the Spirit. So over here, we'll have the Spirit. When I'm oriented toward the Spirit, 
I'm letting the Spirit give me the power to live the Christian life, okay? I'm letting Him control the thoughts of my mind, the intentions of my heart, and He's working in me so that I could please Him and bring Him glory, okay? It is me, in a sense, looking at Him and letting Him direct my steps. He's leading me as we walk together. Uh, when I'm oriented with him, he is, per, he is building in me to become like Christ in all of life, and he's producing in me the fruit of the Spirit. Now, in opposition to that, in contract, contrast to that, the other option is to walk toward the flesh or it, with self-effort. Oops. The flesh wants to get in control here. Okay? So when I'm oriented toward the flesh, this is my nature unchecked by the Holy Spirit. My will is ruling my life. I am oriented toward fulfilling the desires of the flesh Unrestrained by the Holy Spirit, I will manipulate other people to get what I want, and I will uh, seek to put my needs above other people's needs. That's walking in the Spirit. I can live the Christian life, I can be a Christian, but orient myself toward the flesh. That is very possible, Paul describing it here of what happens when the Christian is oriented toward the flesh. At that point, when I am oriented this way as a believer, it is as if God does not exist in my world. It's about my self-effort. I'm a practical atheist. I am living my life under my own power, going after what I desire. Now, I may be a good Christian and say, God, would you bless my plans? but I'm still oriented in the wrong way. Now, it's helpful here, I think, uh, to distinguish between walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, then spiritual maturity, okay? This diagram illustrates spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is about a progression. In that progression, more and more, I'm maturing Christ, and the nature of Christ is cultivated into my life. I'm more and more like Christ in all of my life, okay? Uh, it's, it's that progression. Paul in Galatians 5 isn't talking about progression. He's talking about orientation. So here, here's what can happen. I can be mature in my walk with Christ, walking up those stairs, right, in that progression, but I change my orientation toward the flesh and at that point, I'm, no, I'm a believer, I'm mature in Christ, but I'm no longer spiritually minded. I'm fleshly minded. On the other hand, someone could be lower in that step, a brand new Christian, let's say, and they've turned from the sin that they, they were experiencing and doing in their life. They've turned toward Christ and trusted Him as Savior. At this point, they're oriented toward the Spirit they become spiritually minded. This young believer oriented in that direction 
is more spiritually minded than a mature believer who's oriented in that direction, okay? There's a difference in maturity. It's about orientation here, though. It's walking in the Spirit. So, we need to be careful as as mature believers, as we mature in Christ, that we don't let our maturity become a substitute for our orientation of walking in the Spirit. Get that distinction? So here's what's going on, okay? In this direction, I'm spiritually minded. In this direction, I'm fleshly minded. In this direction, I'm fulfilling the desires of the Spirit. In this direction, I'm fulfilling the desires of the flesh. In this direction, I'm I'm experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. In this direction, I'm experiencing the deeds of the flesh. It's about orientation. Orientation also determines dependence. In this way, I'm dependent upon the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life in and through me. And in this way, I've rejected the Spirit's help and I'm I'm embracing and and, uh, uh, using self-will or self-effort to live life on a daily basis. So you and I have one job. It's to orient ourselves toward the Spirit. That's what Paul calls his walking in the Spirit. So don't seek the fruit, seek to walk by the Spirit. Paul, in this book of Galatians earlier, if we look at it, uh, has rebuked the, the Galatian believers. And he says this about them. It's like, you started off so well oriented toward the Spirit, who has bewitched you Who's deceiving you that now you're trying to accomplish the Christian life through self-effort? Okay? They're believers, but they've changed their orientation. This is what uh, orient, being oriented as a believer uh, uh, toward the flesh begins to look like. What we try to do is we resist the temptations of the flesh or try to suppress them through self-effort, through our will. I'm going to have willpower, okay? And so what I'm not going to click that button on that website, I'm going to restrain myself from doing that, and then I do it. I'm not going to get angry with my wife or my children and let that stuff come out of me. I'm going to count to 10, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to do all sorts of things as self-restraint to keep me from doing that. That's self-effort. It's not going to accomplish what God wants, wants to do. The other danger of this is that, when we're, uh, is that when we're trying to live the Christian life through self-effort and, we, and it, it's working for us, is it becomes self-righteousness right? Because what it is, is I'm doing good, I'm keeping away from evil, and we're thinking we're strong, and we have the willpower to do this, and it's simply self-righteousness. And that self-righteousness, we turn on other people and begin to judge them and evaluate them, and we think, God, look at how good I'm doing for you, what the good I'm doing for you, all by self-effort. Self-effort is never God's methodology 
for us to live life by. Okay, another form of of self-effort here is this, is I can keep myself from going in that direction, but I never change my orientation, okay? That's self-restraint. We can keep ourselves oriented in this way and try to move away from sin, okay? We're, we're, we're trying to keep ourselves separated from it, all still through self-effort because I'm oriented in that direction. This is not walking in the Spirit. He didn't say walk backwards with the Spirit. He said walk with the Spirit. Now, this would look really cool if I could do the moonwalk, and you'd be very impressed, but I've never been able to do that. So, staying in this direction is self-effort as opposed to orienting ourselves toward God. But when we're walking with the Spirit and we're oriented in this direction, he begins to help us become partakers of his divine nature, love, joy, peace, and those kinds of things. Well, our, our daily temptation is to try to live the Christian life through self-effort as opposed to walking with the Spirit. Uh, so what happens in the course of my life when I'm trying to walk with the Spirit and I'm oriented in that, I start the morning with, Lord, you're my God, you're my, you're my Savior. I orient myself towards you. Holy Spirit, help me to walk through this day with your power. But in the course of that day, something happens. Let's say I'm driving along and someone, let's say they're not walking in the Spirit, okay? They cut me off in traffic and almost cause an accident. And I begin to hyperventilate, and in that, what begins to happen to me is I'm angry, and I change my orientation. And in this orientation, thoughts come to my head about what I think about that guy. And words come to my mouth, and I might even express them. And my hand moves into an unfriendly gesture, right? Okay, so I was doing fine, until I found myself in a situation and I turned away from the Spirit and now oriented to the desires of the flesh and I want to express my anger. So what needs to happen? So what needs to happen is I have to stop. I have to acknowledge that I changed direction. Okay? And then turn back toward the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me with your power. Help me deal with this situation I'm in. Okay? It's called spiritual breathing. We're walking along. We're doing fine. But something causes us to turn. And we begin to go in this direction. And I can stop it quickly and turn back around and get myself on track. Make sense? Okay? But here's the problem. Sometimes we stay oriented in this direction for so long that it becomes more of a rooted pattern in our life. And when we do that, we are cultivating in us the deeds of the flesh. Look at Galatians 5 again. The deeds of the flesh are obvious. Okay, I'll come back to that obvious in a moment. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, 
fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, okay? Look, that list is not exhaustive. He says, and things like these. Now, I don't know what it looks like for you when you are oriented toward the deeds of the flesh, of the frustration that builds, or maybe the anger that builds, or the selfish desires you have, but here's what, what's going on. If you did a word study on those, and I've done that, of these deeds of the flesh, some of these, about half of them, are about internal uh, corruption, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, selfish uh, ambition, drunkenness, that sort of thing. Think of it this way. We catch a virus. The virus makes our bodies sick. We start having these symptoms that reflect that we have a virus in us. It's something going on inside of me. But that's not all the deeds of the flesh. The other parts of the deeds of the flesh are how that sickness starts coming out of me and affects my relationship. It's external corruption, okay? My relationships get characterized by the anger that comes out of me. It may produce fear in other people. Uh, it, 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 uh, it's creating conflict or strife or hatred or factions and discord. My anger comes out of me like a volcano erupting, right? And it affects my family and my friends and, and other people, my coworkers. Now, as a mature believer, remember maturity, okay? It may be that that's far more subtle than overt in your life now, okay? So you don't have outbursts of anger anymore, but you're figuring out a way to get even right? You're undercutting another person in order to tear them down. You're trying to figure out how to manipulate them or even spiritually manipulate them to get them to do what you want. It's our attempts to try to control others through manipulation. When I see those things coming out of me, it helps me to see I'm oriented toward the flesh, and I need to to change that orientation. What needs to happen is I need to stop, I need to repent. Repent simply means turn around, change direction, remind myself that Jesus died for me for all of my sins so that I would have the freedom to choose a better way. And when I repent and turn around, I bring myself back into submission to walk with the Spirit of God so that he can do things into my life and orient me and let me walk with him from then on. See, the Christian life, becoming like Christ in all of life, is not easy. We live in a fallen world, and we're so easily tempted to try to live the Christian life through self-effort. Okay, suppressing those, those fleshly desires, but staying oriented toward them. And so what happens is we begin to walk in that direction, right? And we become more and more like this instead of more and more like that. So let's stop here for a minute. 
We have the spirit and we have the flesh. Those are our options for our orientation. So here's the question. In the last week, which direction did you spend most of your time oriented toward? Was it toward the Spirit? Then thank the Lord that uh, He used the Spirit in your life to guide you through the course of your week, to help you deal with the various situations that came up, but you kept walking with Him. But if it was in this orientation, it's time to turn around. It's time to set this aside. Is fulfilling the desires of your flesh really how you want to live your life, how you want to orient your life? If not, you can repent and turn around and tell the Holy Spirit, I don't want to keep fulfilling the desires of the flesh. I surrender. I give up. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you help me to know the forgiveness and grace that I have in Jesus? And now help me, Holy Spirit, to orient my day towards you. See, you and I will never become strong enough in self-will or through self-effort to produce a good person. We can't do it. We'll never have enough power to do that. We'll always, it will always lead us toward corruption, internally or externally. So here's the deal. Years ago, as an old sheep here, okay, when I first started learning how to walk in the Spirit, this became almost a moment-by-moment moment thing at first. Or then it became at various points during the day, I would just stop and say, Ray, are you oriented toward the Spirit or toward the flesh? I want to be oriented toward the Spirit, and so that's what I'm going to do and stay in that direction. As I practiced that in my daily life, what began to happen was my spirit became sensitive to when I started to do this. And when that happened, I could quickly reject that direction and reorient myself to the spirit. It's called spiritual breathing, okay? It's just exhaling the bad and inhaling the good, moving forward. But if you have been giving yourself for a long time to this orientation, to fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and expecting other people to live with you because that's just how you are. God wants you to repent. He wants you to reject that. He wants you to turn and accept his forgiveness for how you've been living, but move in this direction. Now, if that's been habitual in your life, you may need some help. You may need to get around a small group of people that is going to keep you walking in this direction, oriented toward the Spirit. Friends close enough to you when they say, you know what? It's that junk coming out of your life now. You've reoriented. Time to change back. Okay? We need people like that. Sometimes we've given ourselves to this for so long, we need to get counseling. We need to get in a celebrate recovery to put us in a place and give us skills 
to break that cycle of sin. We need a care minister. Robin will tell about that a little bit later to come alongside of in those moments when we're tempted to go like this. Now, for me now, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do before I get out of bed is I start praying. And I say, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me with, uh, your, with the Spirit. Guide me in the course of this day. The best pathway I have for this day is through walking with the Spirit. And so I orient myself first thing in the morning uh, toward that. So you and I have one job, to stay connected and in this case, staying connected means to orient ourselves toward the Spirit and then walk through our daily life with the Holy Spirit, letting Him lead us, living by the Spirit, being in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul is asking us to do in Galatians 5. Now, with that context in mind, let's go back to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of walking in the Spirit. While we are walking in the same direction, He is forming in me the character of God. The character of God looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those traits, right? Now, look what God's doing. When I'm walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is sowing into me the characteristic of God called love. And then what comes out of me is love. He is sowing into me joy. And then what comes out of me is joy. He's sowing in peace and so on until we get to today's uh, fruit called goodness. Goodness is this, is simply defined as this, choosing to do, uh, choosing what is good and right over what is bad and evil. Choosing what is good and right over bad and evil. This is what Jesus says in Luke 6. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. An evil man brings out evil in his life through the evil that is stored in his heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In regards to goodness, the nature of God is goodness. Therefore, everything he does is an overflow, an expression of that nature. God does good because God is good. As a believer, when goodness is resident in my life, it expresses itself toward others. 
I'm, I have a zeal to do good. Goodness is expressed through good deeds and good works and doing good toward other people. Eastman in the Bible Dictionary describes our deeds, says, our good deeds are an expression of love toward others by doing them good, using our resources to relieve their need and seeking their welfare in every possible way. Now we all most are familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where Paul says that salvation is by grace through faith, not as a result of good works. But verse 10 says this, for God, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand for us to do, okay? Good works don't, don't bring us salvation, but as we're saved, right? Holy Spirit takes residence in us. God is preparing, we're his good workmanship, the fruit of the Spirit in our life, the character of God's sown into our life that begins to come out. He's created us for good works, and he's prepared them in advance for us to do. So here's what's going on. As I'm walking with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is cultivating in me this characteristic called goodness. He has also prepared for me ahead of time good works that I get to do. So he's prepared me for those good works. He's prepared the good opportunities for me to do a good work so that when I come in contact with that, goodness comes out of me and I meet the need of the moment, okay? I do good because God's prepared that and he's also prepared me to, do, to be good. You and I have one job. It's to walk in the spirit so that he could prepare us for that. A good man brings good things out of the goodness stored up in his heart. So, for you and I, as people of grace, let us do our one job. Let us walk in orientation and let us walk daily and moment by moment, resisting the urge to turn away, to walk daily in the Spirit. And as long as we stay fixed on that, we will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. They won't be characteristic of us, and they won't be characteristic of our relationship. So let's do our one job this week, to stay oriented toward the Spirit, to walk with Him. Well, uh, unfortunately, we've come to the time where we have to say it's our time sitting in a green hillside and drinking cool water comes to an end. But you don't have to pick up the anxious thoughts that you came in here with, or the busyness or the harriedness, or the anger. Just leave it here. We'll clean it up and throw it away for you. But you do have to make a choice. And that choice for you this week is to stay oriented toward the Spirit, to walk with Him 
through whatever you experience this week. Let him be your guide. Let him lead you, and he will lead you through the situations that you face this week. And whenever you see yourself wanting to turn away from that, turn right back around, repent, and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and reorient yourself that way. And when we're doing that, and his power's working in us, he will help us to discover the good works, the good deeds that he has prepared for us to do in advance. And we will be prepared to do those good works. That's goodness. Let's pray. Good Shepherd, thank you for letting us to lie down in green pastures this morning. Thank you for giving us, hopefully, a drink of cool water. Thank you for asking us, uh, our Good Shepherd, to not try harder, to do more. You're simply asking us to stay connected to you. Holy Spirit, you're asking us to not grieve you, but to walk with you this week, to let you lead us so that you can sow in us good fruit and then express it outwardly toward others. We look forward to discovering the good works that you've prepared beforehand for us. May we use our, our spiritual gifts to serve you in this church. May we use our daily walk to bring you glory. Help us to stay oriented towards you. In Jesus' name, bye.